What's up? It is Raphael with the NBA Draft Junkie Show on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. And the sigh of relief you hear is the 2020 NBA Draft is over. I felt like I've spent so much time analyzing and overanalyzing and watching videos from this draft class that I'm just ready to get it over. I'm ready to move on to the 2021 draft because it's arguably a, a better draft. It has more star power. Even though I liked the 2020 draft, I felt like it got a lot of flack um, because, you know, it may not have a lot of star power at the top. But I, I think the 2020 draft is going to be good. It was just a situation where guys like um, LaMelo Ball did not play in front of the U.S. audience. James Wiseman only played three games, and two of those games were against lower competition. R.J. Hampton played in New Zealand. Obi Toppin was the best player in college basketball. He played at Dayton. So I think like a lot of people are underestimating this class, but I, I think it was a good class. But I want to talk about my grades for the teams in the Eastern Conference. I'm going to give draft grades. I thought I could be able to squeeze the East and the West into one video, but for the sake of time, I'll do the Eastern Conference this week. Next week, I'll move on to the Western Conference. I'm giving draft grades for each team. Like I said, I'm just glad to get this draft over. All right, so let's move right along and let's get started. The first team I want to discuss is the Boston Celtics. And I'll be honest, I was not impressed with Boston's draft. I thought that they were going to move up. They had three first-round picks. I thought they should be able to package the picks and at least address their need for a big, which as of now, they haven't. They still could make a move. They still could end up doing like a sign-and-trade with Gordon Haywood. But they did not address their need for, for size. I thought that there were some guys that they could have drafted maybe – at 14 or 16. I don't know. I just felt like there was something they could have done. But I thought they made a good choice at number 14 for Aaron Neesmith. He's a sniper. I mean, wing shooting is so valuable. He shot over 50% from three. He is coming off a foot injury, but he could be a possible replacement for Gordon Haywood, who opted out of his contract. Neesmith as a replacement for Haywood on the wing. I'm not mad at that pick. But let's discuss pick number 26, Peyton Pritchard. I personally did not have Peyton Pritchard with a first-round grade. I thought he was a second-round pick. I actually had him going 20 spots lower, number 46, to the Portland Trailblazers. Um, I guess on one hand, you can say it makes a little sense because they, they knew that they weren't going to bring uh, Brad Wanamaker back, so Pritchard is probably going to, well, possibly be their backup point guard. He's going to have to compete for that spot because – I feel like Boston has quite a few good young guards on the roster, but Pritchard probably gets a higher priority since they drafted him at number 26. He's a good shooter. He's competitive. He led the Pac-12 in assists, and he should be able to provide some depth there. But I felt like at 26, they could have, again, got a big or addressed some needs or, or packaged this. And then number 47 was shocking to me, even though I like, I really, really like Yamadar, the Israeli Patrick Beverly I like him a lot, but this backup point guard spot for Boston is crowded. I mean, if you look at their roster, as of now, you got Peyton Pritchard, you got Yamadar, you have Tremont Waters, you got Carson Edwards. You have a lot of guards that compete for the second and third point guard spot. 
I'm shocked that they're not going to go with a veteran as the backup point guard, especially since they are expected to compete for a championship. Danny Ainge is on record of saying if Boston was healthy, he thought they could have came out of the East. I expect Boston to make some moves. I personally would have thought that there was some type of deal with Atlanta, especially when the Hawks selected Okongwu. I thought maybe there's some type of sign and trade with Hayward for Clint Capella or Okongwu or something like that. It's still early in the process. I mean, we don't know what can happen in free agency. Trades can still be made. But as of right now, I'm giving the Boston Celtics a C for this draft. The next team is the Brooklyn Nets. Only one pick, and it is Reggie Perry from Mississippi State. I thought Perry was going to go a little bit higher. He barely was drafted. I thought that he could have went in the 30s and 40s, but this draft is is not a wide range of difference between picks 15 through 35 or even picks 35 through 50. Reggie Perry is a kind of a, a throwback, low-post player, but he, he does play with a lot of energy. He averaged 17 points and 10 rebounds last year. I do believe he has some upside as a as a floor spacer, but I expect him to spend the majority of next season shuffling between the Nets and the Long Island Nets of the G League. But at pick number 57, I'll give the Nets a C, even though I thought they got pretty decent value there with Reggie Perry. All right, it is the New York Knicks, and New York was pretty active on draft date. At number eight, they got the guy who I predicted they would select in mock draft 2.0. I got a lot of flack for saying the Knicks are going to take Obi Toppin. I mentioned the CAA ties, and man, I was getting roasted in the comments about Toppin not going to the Knicks, and it doesn't make sense. And it still doesn't make sense unless they plan to move Julius Randle, but they released Bobby Portis, so that cleared up some of the logjam at the four spot. But I'm not shocked at all. I actually thought that Toppin would go from number five to Cleveland, and Cleveland would try to kind of hustle the Knicks knowing that New York wanted Obi Toppin, and he was their guy all along. So I thought that New York would have to give up something to try to move up. But it ended up working out in New York's favor. They didn't give up any assets. They got Obi Toppin, who is NBA ready, at least on the offensive end of the floor. He should be able to come in and contribute right away. I mentioned time and time again on my podcast that I think he'll be the rookie of the year just because offensively he's, you know, a lot more ready than a lot of the rookies in this class because he's older and he's a phenomenal offensive talent. Defensively is, is where the issues are. But if he ends up being like a, a poor man's Amari Stoudemire, then that's a great pick for New York. But at number 25 is where I'm actually shocked they got Emmanuel quickly out of Kentucky. I thought Quickly was a high second rounder. I didn't see him as a first rounder. Quickly shot over 43% from three, was the SEC player of the year, came into Kentucky as a point guard, ended up moving off the ball. But he could be one of these guys that has a lot more in his bag than we saw at Kentucky. Like I said, I personally didn't see him as a first round pick, but he went number 25. I definitely believe there's some hometown New York Knicks, Kentucky slash CAA cooking going there. But hey, 25, he'll provide the Knicks with some shooting, something that they lacked last year. And it could be a pick that we end up talking about later on as a steal because, again, he may have more to his game than he was able to show at Kentucky. But overall, I'll give the Knicks a c plus i give them a c plus because i felt like they did not really address their need at point guard there were some point guards available that they could have selected 
when they took quickly at 25, but it just tells me that they probably are going to address the need in free agency, but I'll give the Knicks a C plus. Philadelphia 76ers, and man, Philly had a hell of a draft. They got Tyrese Maxey at number 21. It's around where I had him going in my last couple of mocks, um, but I think that he will be a, a much better professional than he was at Kentucky, kind of like what I mentioned about quickly. I think that there's more to his game than he was able to show. Most notably, I think that the shooting numbers aren't a good reflection of his shooting touch. I think he'll be a better shooter. He gives Philly another guy that can score, another ball handler, a creative score, something I felt like they lacked last year. But I like to pick. Maxi competes. He plays defense. You can have lineups with Maxi and Simmons and Embiid, and you have three-plus defenders on the floor. I like to pick for Philly. I, interesting to see how he plays with Simmons, or but I really like to pick. I think Maxi could end up being like a, a Drew Holiday type player, which Philly's familiar with because Holiday started off his career there. So I like to pick at number 21 with of Tyrese Maxi going to Philly. At number 49, I thought Philly addressed their need for shooting with Isaiah Joe. Joe was a shooting guard from Arkansas. I thought he would go around like 34, 36 to Philly. They ended up getting him later in the draft, which worked out perfectly for them. Nice shooting percentage dropped in his sophomore year. He shot about 41% from three as a freshman. It went down, but he puts up a lot of attempts. However, he still shot 38% from three in his two years combined at Arkansas. And it was on nine attempts per game, so the volume is there. But he's an excellent shooter, especially on like on movement plays. I think that he's a guy that Philly be able to run some action plays, and he'll be able to create some looks for others because teams are going to have to pay attention to him and his movement off the ball. I really like that pick for Philly at number 49 and Isaiah Joe. And at number 58, Philly was able to snag Paul Reed. I like Paul Reed a lot. Energy guy, great rebounder, averaged almost two steals, two blocks a game. Really, really high defensive upside. But I think that he has potential to develop a, a, a nice offensive game. He has some decent skills on the offensive end of the floor. Right now, his calling card is his defense. But I really like that pick, especially where they got him at. I thought Paul Reed could have possibly went late first round or even early in the second round. But they were able to get him so late in the draft. I thought Philly was excellent. Daryl Morey, I mean, in like, what, two weeks on the job, he has completely changed around this roster, got rid of Al Horford, added Danny Green, drafted guards. Now the roster's a little bit more balanced. Got Seth Curry from the Mavs. Man, overall, Philly got an A from me. I thought that they had arguably the best draft in the 2020 draft night, so... A for Philadelphia 76. Last but not least, the Toronto Raptors. Toronto got the two best players out of the Mountain West Conference. They got Malachi Flynn at number 29. Flynn is a playmaker extraordinaire, one of the best pick-and-roll passers and decision-makers in the draft. He's also a good shooter, shot 38% from three. Loves to get to his pull-up, but he's a pretty decent defensive player also. He won Mountain West Defensive Player of the Year. A little undersized. Doesn't have, like, great athleticism, but I like him a lot. I think having a three-point guard rotation of Kyle Lowry, Van Vliet, and Malachi Flynn gives the Raptors high IQ, smart players, and guys that are competitive. A little on the small side, but that didn't stop Toronto last year, so I like to pick up there. 
At 59 is Jalen Harris out of Nevada. I like this pick a lot. I think Harris can play a little bit of one, two, and three. He averaged over 22 points per game last season. He's a capable shooter. And in my opinion, he is one of the best rebounding guards in this draft. He has the athleticism. I think that he could crack their rotation as a rookie. So I'm giving the Toronto Raptors a B-plus in this draft. My draft grades may be a little tough, but I still think the Raptors had a good draft. I thought that they addressed some of their needs at guard. They do have some questions also about bigs with Gasol and Ibaka leaving. They could have went in another direction, but I still like the guards that they picked up. So that is my draft grades for the Atlantic Division, Central Division. First team I want to discuss is the Chicago Bulls. And at number four, they selected Patrick Williams out of Florida State. And this was the biggest shocker to me. I did not see Patrick Williams going number four. I saw the rumors that he could go as high as number seven. I saw that his stock was rising. I just personally didn't see it. I always felt the draft started at number four, and Williams going number four for me just pretty much threw off my whole mock draft. I, I'm still shocked. I'm still stunned. I'm curious to see how it works out with, with Chicago, especially if Williams' best position long-term is as a four. I know it's kind of weird to say long-term because he's very, very young, one of the youngest players in this draft class because I think he's a four, like I mentioned. But right now, I guess on opening night, I, I don't even see him as a starter. I still think they'll start Otto Porter at the three, Lloyd Marketing at the four. Obviously, things could change between now and opening day because this offseason has already been crazy, even though it just started. But Williams has a high upside. I could see him as a switchy combo forward that can defend threes and fours. I think that there's room for growth as far as him being an outside shooter. He does have a decent pull-up game. He just fits the modern-day NBA combo forward. And right now, there's a lot of value on on guys that can defend multiple positions and knock down open shots. There are some videos circulating on the internet that shows uh, him playing some pickup basketball and just showing a little bit more creativity that we saw at Florida State. Again, the pick is a shocker to me. I don't think he starts on opening day, which is not a big deal because he didn't start at Florida State, which is kind of crazy considering a guy that didn't start for his college team ends up as the fourth pick in the draft. So curious to see how it works out. And and just the role that he'll end up playing as a rookie. But Patrick Williams at number four was the biggest shocker to me. At number 44, the Bulls selected Marko Samanovic out of Serbia. He's an inside-outside threat, shot over 50% from the floor, 40% from three. And the man that's running the Chicago Bulls came from Denver, and he had some success with a previous Serbian big man that was selected in the second round. Nikola Jokic ended up being an all-NBA player total superstar so we'll see if he can duplicate that success i mean it'd be close to impossible but it's happened before but overall i think samanovich would be a draft and stash candidate so for this draft i'm giving the chicago bulls a c plus next up is the cleveland cavaliers and at number five they selected isaac okoro out of auburn i thought this pick was a little high even though I had him going number six in one of my mock drafts, but I didn't think Cleveland would take him at number five. I thought they would go with someone like Abdia, but Okoro, another guy that has a high upside coming off a strong freshman year at Auburn. He's a winner. I mean, if you look at his winning percentage from high school to AU to at Auburn, you see that this guy just wins. He has the intangibles. 
Defense is his calling card. He is a strong physical defender that should be able to defend multiple positions. I think he's already NBA ready from that aspect. Shooting is the biggest concern. He needs to obviously become a better shooter. I thought that his confidence in his shot was probably the biggest issue because he wasn't confident at all. There were times where he would pass some open looks to pass it to a teammate that was covered, but he's had a long offseason to work on his shot. He should be able to come in and be Cleveland's starting small forward from day one. Um, I think Jetty Osmond is the only obstacle in his way there, but I think with the how high he was selected at number five, they're probably going to pencil him in as a starter. Honestly, I would have went with Denny Avdia here. I felt like Avdia is a good defender, not as good of a defender, but I think on the offensive end of the floor, he'll provide some balance. As I've mentioned on previous podcasts, I'm not a big fan of this small shoot first backcourt but I do think that Cleveland needs to give the backcourt another year before they decide to make any any decisions so yeah I would have went with Avdia here but only time will tell if it was the right choice but overall I give the Cavaliers a C in selecting Isaac Okoro at number five the Detroit Pistons had a very very interesting draft night and just interesting last few days at number seven they selected Killian Hayes Killian was my number one point guard in this draft class. I thought that the fit with Detroit was perfect. I had him going to Detroit in both of my mock drafts. He could be their opening day starter. He could play next to Derrick Rose. Based off the way the roster is looking today, one, I don't know what's going on with the Pistons and I'm having a hard time understanding some of their choices in free agency, but I imagine Killian and Rose are going to start together in the dual point guard lineup. Just off the top of my head, I don't know who the two is right now in Detroit. Um, like I said, they've had some interesting choices in free agency, but I think Hayes is an excellent fit there. I think he's going to be the face of the Pistons going forward. They're pairing him with last year's number one pick in Sekou Dumbuya, who now faces a crowded front court or a wing position because they've added Josh Jackson, Jeremy Grant, amongst other guys. So I originally thought that um, Sekou would be penciled in as a starter because he was drafted so high last year, but this is a new front office, so I really don't know what to expect. But like I said, he should be their opening day starting point guard. I love his upside as a scorer and playmaker, one of the best passers in this draft. Little left-hand dominant, but he was fun to watch. So Killian Hayes at number seven for Detroit, I thought was an excellent choice. At number 16, Isaiah Stewart, a center out of Washington. This was the biggest surprise for me. I didn't see him going higher than 20 on a lot of mock drafts. And to see him at number 16 was something I definitely wasn't expecting. He's a throwback player, kind of an old school physical banger. I think that if this was the 2000 draft instead of 2020, he's a top five pick. But I love his energy. He'll provide toughness, rebounding, and man, does this guy have a motor. He runs the floor hard, just puts it all on the court. I think that there's always room in the NBA for high motor, high energy guys that can come in and rebound, play a little D. A little undersized at 6'9", but he has a reported 7'4 wingspan that makes up for his lack of height. But he should be able to... Just come in and provide some toughness, energy, and rebounding for Detroit. I thought 16 was a little high. And then after selecting him at number 16, Detroit went out and added Jaleel Okafor, Mason Plumlee. So I I don't know how much time he gets there. I don't know if they're 
projecting Plumlee to be their starting center or Okafor. I don't know what's going on in Detroit, but Isaiah Stewart at number 16, again, I thought was pretty high. At number 19, the Detroit Pistons selected Sadiq Bey out of Villanova. Now, Bey was someone who I thought would go at number 16 to Portland. He slipped three spots for me, but I love this guy's game. I love what he brings to the table. I love his versatility, his outside shooting. I think he's a very underrated passer, can play a little bit of point forward, can defend multiple positions. I think long-term, his best position is playing the four, which doesn't make sense because, again, like I mentioned, Detroit has added a bunch of guys who I feel are somewhat tweeners, which tweener is a good thing in today's NBA, but I feel like they're tweeners that are more fours than threes. So he joins a crowded front court with Josh Jackson, Jeremy Grant, Sekou Dumbuya, and now you ask Sadiq Bey. Um, <laughs> again, it's third time I'm saying it. Interesting how this Detroit lineup pans out, but I like the Sadiq Bey fit. I'm hoping that Detroit focuses a lot on development and just lets the young guys play. But I'd love to see Bay come in and, and get a lot of developmental minutes. I mean, I think that on certain teams he could be a starter, especially like in, in Minnesota. I would love to see him at the Wolves at number 17. I think he could come in and possibly start at the four spot for them. But then he goes to Detroit where he could possibly be buried behind the bench because I know Grant is going to play. They just paid him like $60 million. So, again, Curious to see how everything pans out in Detroit. And then another shocker to me at number 38 was Saban Lee out of Vanderbilt. Now, Lee was not on a lot of draft boards. I actually scouted him, and I just thought that he was a Troy Weaver pick. He is a freak athlete, super bouncy, super athletic. And when I say he's a Troy Weaver pick, Weaver has a reputation for loving super athletic combo guards or point guards he was in Oklahoma City when they drafted Russell Westbrook that's why I heard there are rumors that he liked RJ Hampton a lot but Lee is a a, a good playmaker shooting is his weakness but man his physical tools his athleticism his passing is something that I, I really like the gamble 38 was definitely something that I did not see I thought that he could possibly go undrafted selected in the 50s I thought he was a a great two-way candidate so, um, in my opinion, this is somewhat of a reach, but I like the gamble here. I really like the gamble, especially if Detroit is really confident in their developmental staff. So, again, I like to pick. Overall, with Detroit's picks, I felt like Killian was a home run. I thought it was a reach for Stewart. I thought they got good value at number 19 for Bay. I thought it was a reach for Lee, but I'll give the Detroit Pistons a C. All right, at number 54, the Indiana Pacers only had one pick, Cassius Stanley out of Duke. We all know Stanley is a freak athlete, super bouncy, highlight reel, loves to get on the open floor. This is a pick that's based off of his potential as a 3 and D player. I mean, obviously, 3 and D wings are highly valued. I think this is a pretty good value pick here. They got him so late in the draft, but it all depends on his jump shot. He shot a respectable 36% from three, so he's... Not far off from being a pretty reliable shooter. We'll see if it translates to the NBA. But I thought this was a good pick for the Pacers. I'll give them a C-plus just off the value they got with uh, Cassius Stanley out of Duke. So C-plus for the Indiana Pacers. All right, last, it is the Milwaukee Bucks at number 45. I thought they got great value out of Jordan Noir from Louisville. He is a, uh, he might be a 3-4, but I think he could be possibly a 4. But in Milwaukee, it doesn't matter because he's going to be used as a floor spacer. 
He shot over 40% from three for his career. He's a very underrated but strong rebounder. He does have some potential to put the ball on the floor, but I like that fit in Milwaukee. I mean, based off of their roster today and how they've been playing the last few years, they're just going to need floor spacers, and that's what he does. At number 60, the Milwaukee Bucks selected Sam Morell out of Utah State. I think this was a pretty good value pick, especially at the very, very end of the draft. He's an efficient scorer that can contribute in a lot of ways. I mean, he was able to fill the stat sheet in college with his points, rebounds, and assists. He's a little old. He's 24, so he's like five years older than some of the players in this draft, maybe even six, five and a half, six years older than some of the players in this draft. So he's more, I guess, closer to his prime than a lot of the guys. I don't know if he cracks Milwaukee's rotation this year, but he could. You know, if Milwaukee makes a trade, like, for example, if the Bogdanovich trade would have came through, then their bench would have been depleted. I think they would have only had, like, seven guys on the roster. So they would have needed to fill out the roster with a bunch of cheap contracts. So I think in that case, he would have been able to make the team and and possibly get some minutes. But depending on if they make a move or not, he could make the roster. He could be in the G League. But I like to pick. I mean, I, I think that he should be able to make their team. And if he can shoot the ball, Milwaukee is always going to need shooters around Giannis. But I think that he can make plays for others. So I thought this was a pretty good pick. So for Milwaukee, where they were selecting that, they moved down. I'll give them a B- minus for their two picks. I'll give my draft grades for the Southeastern Division of the Eastern Conference. First team up is the Atlanta Hawks. And Atlanta had a very interesting draft. At number six, they selected Anyeka Okongwu out of USC. Arguably, in my opinion, the safest pick in this draft. I was shocked, stunned to see him go at number six. To me, the pick makes zero sense unless they have some moves that they plan on making in the future. But as far as Okongwu, athletic, freak athlete, physical, strong. I love him as a vertical live threat. I love him as a, a rim runner. I think that he's going to do good in the NBA simply because he'll have an opportunity to play in space, possibly, because he, he didn't get a chance to play in space in college. So I really like Okongwu, but the pick and the fit tells me something is up. But let's just say he, he does stay. He helps Atlanta as far as with a rim protector, and on defense, I think he should be able to be able to defend um on the perimeter a little bit, not not necessarily guard, like point guards, but I think that he's a guy that if you get him switched on a guard or a wing, he should be able to at least give some type of effort. Like he's not a guy that you, you just can't switch or anything like that. So I like him. I like his defensive upside. I like his upside just period. I'm a big Okongwu fan. I had him going number three in my mock draft 2.0. I had him falling down to Washington at number nine in my mock draft 3.0. But one of the reasons I had him falling to number nine on my second mock is because I just knew Atlanta would pass him up. Because again, it makes no sense. They just traded for Clint Capella. So, I think, now, you heard it here. I think there's a possible trade where Atlanta trades some of their pieces, whether it's Capella, Collins, uh, Kevin Herter, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter. I just feel like it just makes perfect sense for them to package those pieces in a trade for Giannis. If Giannis is unhappy with 
Milwaukee because this offseason they weren't able to really get a lot better. I mean, Drew Holiday is definitely an upgrade, but I know adding Bogdanovich would have been a big upgrade. But as of recording time, Bogdan Bogdanovich, shout out to Bogdan, my guy from Fenerbahce, has signed an offer sheet with the Atlanta Hawks. As of recording time, Sacramento hasn't matched it, but based off what I'm reading, it looks like he's going to end up in Atlanta. I've heard the rumors that Bogdan and Giannis want to play together. So to me, it makes sense. It could be like the Eastern Conference version of the Anthony Davis trade where the Lakers gave up their young pieces for Anthony Davis. Obviously, it helped him win a championship. And it just makes sense to me because Okongwu, Collins, and Clint Capella, that front line just doesn't make much sense at all. So if it happens, remember, this is where you heard it at. But at number 50, Atlanta also picked up Skylar Mays from LSU. I like Skylar a lot. Someone that I've, I've had a chance to watch up close and personal from back when he was in high school in AAU. He's a combo guard, shot 39% from three. Again, this pick doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense as far as like having a shot to play this year because Atlanta just picked up Chris Dunn. They just picked up Rondo. They have, you know, wings that I mentioned earlier. So it's going to be tough for him to get some minutes there. He may end up spending a lot of time in the G League. But I like to fit overall with Atlanta and their roster along Trey Young. Atlanta's definitely made some moves to improve their roster, to improve their roster on the defensive end. Also added Nate McMillan. But I just, like I said, I just, something is telling me it's, it's a big move because Atlanta just has too many wings to keep happy. I mean, adding Gallinari, they paid him a lot of money, like $60 million. You don't pay a guy that much money to come off your bench, especially when he plays the same position as John Collins. I don't know. Stay tuned. But overall, with the Atlanta Hawks, <laughs> this is tough because I want to give them a B as far as their grade, but also, you know what, I'm going to just go ahead and give the Atlanta Hawks a B because I think that they're going to make a move, and these two players that they selected will stay on the roster while some of the guys they had in the previous drafts will be moved on, so that will open up some playing time for the guys that they selected, so I'm going to go ahead and give the Atlanta Hawks a B. Next team up is the Charlotte Hornets, and Charlotte's going to have a lot of eyes on them this year. This is probably one of the more interesting and more anticipated seasons in Charlotte Hornets basketball in recent memory. They add LaMelo Ball at number three. We know LaMelo provides box office excitement. He'll be the face of the franchise, and he can hoop. I mean, he's not just a, uh, a rock star in a basketball uniform. He can hoop. 6'7", six, 6'8", six, point guard, phenomenal passing instincts, high upside. Don't know who he reminds me of, but I can tell you one thing for sure. Well, I was thinking of players that you know he's comparable to I've seen the Penny Hardaway comparisons I don't know if he's as offensively gifted as far as scoring as Penny but when it comes to passing the two passers that I love to watch the most as far as their creativity and confidence and just squeezing passes in tight windows are LaMelo Ball and Milos Teodosic a lot of American fans are going to Think of Teodosic as a guy that briefly played for the Clippers, but if you get a chance to watch his highlights in Europe, ridiculous passer. I mean, crazy court vision, confidence, creativity, and Melo reminds me of that. So actually, you know, I think I'm going to make a video of Melo's passes and Teodosic's passes. Hopefully, I, I make it. You guys can check it out. But yeah, Melo adds a different dynamic to the Hornets. 
Now the backcourt is a little crowded. I'm curious to see what they do with Terry Rozier. I know Devontae Graham had a big year. He, in my opinion, he should have been uh, most improved player. They gave it to Brandon Ingram, but you know he was a number two pick. And I'm a big Bi guy. I'm a big Brandon Ingram fan. But he was a number two pick. His progress was expected. As far as Devontae Graham, he was like the 34th pick, and he put up a good year: 18.7 and a half assists. And I think the good year that he had overshadowed the good year that Terry Rozier had on paper. Rozier averaged 18 points a game, playing off the ball. But he shot 40% from three. He really improved as a shooter. He seems to be the odd man out because I can't see for any reason Melo coming off the bench, especially if they draft him at number three. Even though Rozier is the better player today, I just see him being the odd man out. I see a Devontae Graham and LaMelo ball backcourt which um, defensively is going to have some problems. But they added Gordon Hayward, so they have another ball handler and another decision maker on the floor. So, Rozier, man, (laughs) I don't know, man. I I saw the video of you packing your bags and you're leaving. By the time this video airs, he might be an L.A. Clipper or going back to the Celtics. Who knows? I think the fit in, in Charlotte with LaMelo Ball is going to be great for them. But if I'm Michael Jordan... And, you know, Michael Jordan has a reputation for looking for motivation. I'm telling LeVar Ball, check up, homie. Check up. You was talking that nonsense. You could beat me one-on-one. Check ball. Let's play ones. And, and, and you know, let, let's see if you can cash all those checks that you are writing. So hopefully that happens and hopefully it's televised because, man, you just don't call out Michael Jordan and talk about you could beat him one-on-one. But that's a whole nother story. All right, number 32, they selected Vernon Carey out of Duke. Carey is a... Kind of a throwback player, physical, low post banger. I think he's another one of these guys. If this was a 2000 draft, he would have been more regarded. Had a pretty good year at Duke. He averaged around 18.9 rebounds per game. But I kind of like his upside and his potential to develop an outside shot. He shot about 38% from three. Not a big volume of attempts, but I think he has a pretty decent touch. However, his free throw percentage was below 70%. So, I don't know. He's still young. I think given time, I think he does show just enough potential to where he could be able to space the floor because that's going to be very important in his career as far as just being able to stick simply because, you know, he's not going to get a lot of low post touches in today's NBA. And then, of course, defensively, a lot of the guys that are traditional low post bangers that are, you know, thrive off of being more physical and stronger than guys usually probably struggle as far as defending, you know, I think of like Jaleel Okafor as an example. So um, working on his defense and his floor spacing will be very instrumental in Vernon Carey's development. At number 42, they selected Nick Richards out of Kentucky. Now he's someone who I thought was a first round pick two years ago. He had an okay freshman year. Then he came back for a sophomore year and it was, I mean, it, it hurt his draft stock tremendously, but he made up for it as a junior Came back, averaged about 14.7 rebounds and two blocks per game. I think that this is a good fit for him. He should be able to compete for some rotation minutes. I know ahead of him, you have Vernon Carey, who I just mentioned. You have uh, Cody Zeller, who seemed like he's been there forever and a day. And then same with Bismack Biombo. I think that Hornets fans are probably just tired of seeing those guys. I know Biombo left and he went to Toronto and he went to Orlando and he's back in Charlotte. But he seems like he's been in Charlotte forever. And like I said, with Zeller, I think the fans are just ready to move on. And I'm pretty sure they would prefer to give a couple young guys an opportunity. 
So I think the Nick Richards pick gives them some depth at the five spot, but he could be a developmental guy. So I like that pick there. At number 56, I feel like Charlotte got one of the biggest steals of the draft, if not the biggest steal of the draft in Grant Riller. I'm a big Grant Riller fan. I mean, this guy is buckets on buckets on buckets. I thought that he was a first-round pick. I thought there were a couple of teams that I thought he would have been a good fit on. It's like Milwaukee or maybe even Dallas at number 31 in the second round. But for whatever reasons, he fell. I just hope he gets an opportunity to play. Charlotte's backcourt is already a little crowded. But I think if Rogier is gone, I really like Riller in a row coming off the bench as a scorer. I mean, this guy's a phenomenal scorer. He can score on three levels, and he's a great finisher. I think that he's a good fit. I just hate the fact that he fell so low in the draft. And, you know, a lot of times when you fall so far in the draft, you know, your opportunity and your window to, like, get an opportunity is really small. But Devontae Graham was a second-round pick. Even though he was in the 30s, Charlotte was able to give him an opportunity, and he played well, made the most of it, and he had a great year. Hopefully, Grant Riller has the same type of opportunity and, you know, maybe replaces uh, Dwayne Bacon. I don't know. I like Grant Riller. I thought it was a good pick. So if I'm grading the Charlotte Hornets draft, I'm going to go ahead and give them a B. I'm going to give them a B. They added some depth at the five spot. They got their point guard of the future who's going to sell tickets and be box office with a high upside. And then I think they addressed the need for a creative score off the bench. So I'm going to give the Charlotte Hornets a B. Miami Heat had a great draft, in my opinion, a steal at number 20. I had Precious Achua going 14 on mock draft 2.0. I think I have him going 17 on my third mock. I'm a big Precious guy. I, I like his tools. I like his potential as a defender. I like just everything that he brings to the table. I've mentioned that I think his potential is off the charts, but I also mentioned that there is a chance that he could be a, a big bust if he doesn't like find a role or accept a role. But I think Miami will get him right. I really like what Miami does as far as their development. I think that Miami will utilize his, his strengths. I mean, I think he's a high-energy guy that can defend multiple positions. He shows that he can put the ball on the floor, somewhat straight line drives. If he can knock down open shots, he becomes a weapon. And then if he can improve as a passer, to me that's like the biggest issue for him is his decision-making because he shows some passing skills, but his turnovers were way more than his assists. So if he can kind of slow down, slowly develop, like they kind of did with Bam. I mean, again, we didn't know Bam was going to be this good. And I think Precious has shown a lot of potential. So I like Precious in Miami. If he can't work out in Miami, then it's going to be a rough road for him. But I think Miami is one of the best at developing guys, and they're going to be able to maximize his potential. I love that draft at number 20. I'm giving the Miami Heat a B plus. So Precious Achua at number 20 to Miami Heat, B plus. Next is the Orlando Magic. I love this pick, Cole Anthony. I think he can play with Markel Fultz. I think Cole Anthony is going to come into this season with a lot of motivation and a chip on his shoulder because he was arguably the best point guard in this class coming out of high school. His stock kind of dropped after his freshman year at North Carolina for things that were somewhat out of his control as far as like his teammates. But then again, I feel like maybe it was in his control because he picked North Carolina knowing what the roster was going to look like. But he struggled as far as like finishing in traffic because North Carolina didn't have any floor spacing. He dealt with an injury. 
but I still think that he is going to end up being one of the better players in this draft class. I like to fit with Fultz because I think they can play together simply because Cole Anthony is pretty good as far as like shooting off the ball. He didn't really get a lot of opportunities at North Carolina, but I think he will. I don't see him as a starter as a rookie unless they move Fournier, but I think he can come off the bench and provide some scoring and then they can slowly develop him. And if Fultz ever gets his shot back, and whatever that yips or whatever issues he had with his shooting, with now I think it's mental. But if he ever gets that back, then Cole Anthony and Markel Fultz could be a pretty dynamic backcourt in the future. So I like what Orlando did there. I think they somewhat addressed their need for a, a point guard because they lost DJ Augustine, who signed with the Bucks. Michael Carter Williams, I'm not for sure if he signed yet, but I feel like they addressed the need for a point guard or a guard and some outside shooting because again. I'm really high on Cole Anthony as an off-the-ball floor spacer. So I'm going to give the Orlando Magic a B plus. So Orlando Magic B plus with Cole Anthony out of North Carolina. And the Washington Wizards, I thought Washington had a really, really good draft. They drafted two guys I'm high on. And number nine, they got Denny Abdia, who I did not think would fall past five. And I think that he's going to be able to come in and play right away. He should be their starting small forward from day one. I think they'll still bring Bertans off the bench, even though they paid him 80 million racks. But I love Avdia, what he brings to the table. The big question around Washington is what's going to happen with John Wall. That contract is huge. I don't see him being moved unless it's a swap for Russell Westbrook, which to me makes no sense, or unless New York decides to take on his deal. But I think Avdia could come in, start at three, and if Washington wants to run and put up a lot of points, then I think Avdi is a good fit. I think he may struggle a little bit in the half court because right now he's just not a good outside shooter. And Well, he's more streaky than good, but I think that's an area that he will improve on and he probably has already because from everything I've heard, he's, he's a hard worker and I, I felt like he's just more so of a streaky shooter. But if Washington wants to run, Avdia gives them another playmaker, a, a guy that loves to get out and run in transition. He loves to get the rebound and push. If you get in a situation, Avdia is getting the rebound and push. It allows John Wall to run the lanes, which, if he's still fast, creates a lot of open, easy baskets for Washington. So I like to pick with Avdia. And then at number 53, I love the Cassius Winston pickup. Cassius Winston was someone who I thought was a person that should have went in the late first round, early second round. I mean, the guy has had a crazy good career. He's a winner. He has the intangibles. He may not pass the eye test, or you may feel like he doesn't have as high of, of an upside as some of the other players, but the guy is a gamer. He shot over 40% from three in his career at Michigan State. He can shoot off the dribble. He can shoot off movement plays. Great pick and roll playmaker, and he's a floor general, and I think that he could possibly be their backup point guard from day one. Again, I love to pick for... Washington Wizards. So I'm going to give the Washington Wizards an A minus. Now I just wrapped up my draft grades for the teams in this draft. So now what I would like to talk about are the guys that I think are my top rookies in the East. I'd say Obi Toppin would be my choice for rookie of the year. I think he's going to be in a situation in New York where he is going to be put in the best position to succeed. As I've mentioned, there's the ties to his agency. I mean, I just think he's going to be in the best position to succeed. And he's going to 
get a lot of numbers. I would not be surprised if he averages around 18 and 8, maybe 19 and 8. They still have to find a point guard. I know they just signed Austin Rivers today. I don't know if that is necessarily a point guard. They brought Alfred Payton back. Not the point guard Knicks fans were looking for, but like I said, I just think Obi Toppin is the most NBA-ready offensive player in this draft, and I expect him to have big numbers. So Obi Toppin will be my first choice rookie of the year coming out of the East. Second, I'd probably say Killian Hayes. I think that he's going to have plenty of opportunity to put up numbers there in Detroit. Again, I'm not a fan of the roster. I don't know what direction they're going in. Only thing that I can think of is maybe Detroit is adding roster spots to possibly a sign-in trade with Blake Griffin with Denver, or maybe there's a team out west that wants Blake Griffin and they think that he's healthy and he could um, help get them over the hump. I don't know. Right now, Detroit's roster doesn't make a lot of sense, but I think Killian is going to have the ball in his hands a lot, and he should be able to put up decent numbers. I think Derrick Rose is going to be there at least at the beginning of the year, and then he'll be moved at the trade deadline, and then they'll just fully give Killian the keys. But I like Killian Hayes a lot. I think he's going to have a big impact. LaMelo Ball in Charlotte is going to definitely have (laughs) a lot of freedom. He's definitely going to be someone that is going to put up big numbers. I think he's going to struggle big time as far as just like his efficiency. I mean, I'm I'm going to go off the top and say maybe 38, 37% shooting, below 30% from three. I think he's going to fill out, you know, I, I think that he's going to put up a lot of highlights. He's going to add a buzz. Uh, I just think that he's going to struggle. But I think his upside is still tremendous. Cole Anthony in Orlando is another player that I think is going to have a, a big rookie year because I think he's going to have plenty of opportunities to score. And Denny Avdia in Washington. If Washington plays at the pace that they played last year, he should be able to fill up the stat sheet. You know, maybe around 10, 12 points per game, five, six rebounds, three or four assists, a couple steals. So I think that he should be able to have a pretty good year. All right, so now let's talk about the playoff teams. So right now, based off of what I know right now, I have six teams that I feel like I can guarantee will make the playoffs. I mean, depending on health, I guess I can't really say guaranteed. I feel like Brooklyn, Milwaukee Bucks, the Boston Celtics, the Toronto Raptors, the Philadelphia 76ers, and the Indiana Pacers are my locks right now for the playoffs. And then for those last two spots, I think it could be anywhere between Washington, Chicago, Orlando, maybe Charlotte, and Atlanta. So based off of my my maybes, I think Okongwu could actually see some playoff minutes in Atlanta, depending on what they do. Even if they don't make any moves, I think Atlanta probably has enough firepower now to where they could be a seventh or eighth spot based off of what I see today. I think Boston is a lock. So Neesmith could possibly come in and get some of the minutes that uh, Gordon Hayward had. I don't expect him to get all the minutes, but I think he could at least be in their rotation. Um, especially with shooting, you know, shooting is so valuable. So I think he could be in their rotation Curious to see the the Tyrese Maxey situation in Philly. I think Philly's definitely a, a lock for the playoffs. What role will he play? 
is Ben Simmons going to be their point guard? Or are they going to start Seth Curry? Well, I, I, don't, I don't know. I can't really predict. What, I mean, I think Simmons and Danny Green are definitely going to start there. So Maxie could see some playoff minutes. Malachi Flynn, I know on one hand seeing Van Vliet come back probably uh, probably was a little disappointing because I thought if Van Vliet was gone, then I thought Flynn was going to get a lot of minutes. But I still think he could come in and and definitely crack the rotation in Toronto. Um, Flynn and Kyle Lowry will be back. I mean, those are two great guys to learn from. So I think he'll get some playoff minutes as a rookie. Jordan War and Milwaukee should definitely be able to get a lot of playoff minutes and, and be in the rotation. As I mentioned earlier in the video, he fits what Milwaukee needs as far as their roster. So I think he'll see some time. Precious Achua. Miami's definitely going to make the playoffs, in my opinion, and is definitely a threat to to return to the NBA Finals. As far as where Achua can get some minutes, I'm not sure. Um because, you know, like Crowder's gone, so that somewhat opens a spot, but they just end up signing Mo Harkless to a cheap deal. So I imagine Harkless is going to get the minutes that Crowder got. Um, Myers Leonard came back. So I don't know where Precious can get some minutes, but I think they'll bring him along slowly. But who knows? If he ends up being like this good switchy defender that I think he will be, he, he may be able to get a few minutes. And then Cassius Stanley could possibly, if his defense improves, um, I don't know. I mean, he may be able to at least be on the playoff roster. Who knows? But that's just a couple predictions. Who knows what, what can happen? A lot can change with the rosters between now and the start of the season. Now and by the time this, this episode airs, and definitely between now and by the end of the season. But thank you for tuning in. This is Rafael Barlow with the NBA Draft Junkie Show. Nothing but net channel on Dash Radio. Stay tuned next week. I'll give out my draft grades for the Western Conference teams. And then I'll probably be able to have enough time to do a preview for the 2021 college basketball season and who are my top returning players. So thanks again. It's Rafael, NBA Draft Junkie Show. I am out. Out.